Welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. You're listening to a special episode by Chase McCullough. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. Thank you, thank you. Good morning, everybody. It is so good to be with you here today. My name is Chase, um, and, and I just want to give a quick um, time just to honor our, uh, our lead pastors, Pastor Harrison and Pastor Christy. Um, you guys have been such a blessing to me and to everyone else who serves here and who's been here at Kingdom Church. So let's put our hands together. Such a blessing, such an honor. And I just want to thank you for giving me the opportunity to be up here and to be doing this. Um, thank you for just always challenging and uh, encouraging me in my gifts. So appreciate you so much. Thank you. And again, welcome to Kingdom Church. We love you so, so much. If you just want to remain standing for a second um, while I read our text for today, we're going to be in Exodus 33. And if you were here last week, we're in Exodus with uh, our elder, Pastor Ryan. And I was getting a little bit nervous when he said we're in Exodus because I was like, he better not preach the passage that I want to preach because he's going to do it better. So <laughs> he did not. We're all good. Um, but we're in Exodus today. And so Exodus 33, verses 1 to 6. Then the Lord said to Moses, leave this place, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt, and go up to the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, and all kinds of ites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you. Because you are a stiff-necked people, that just means stubborn, because you are a stubborn people, and I might destroy you on the way. When the people heard these distressing words, they began to mourn, and no one put on any ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, tell the Israelites, you are a stiff-necked people. If I were to go with you, even for a moment, I might destroy you. Now, take off your ornaments, and I will decide what to do with you. So the Israelites stripped off their ornaments at Mount Horeb. I'm going to call this message today, Take Off the Drip. Take Off the Drip. You may be seated. So again, welcome to Kingdom Church. And uh, before I get into the message, I just want to take away any confusion that might be there with the word drip. So I figured I would put up um, the Urban Dictionary definition. Don't ever go to Urban Dictionary, by the way. That is not me saying to go there. Um, But I figured I would put up the definition. And along with the definition, I thought we'd have a little bit of a picture as well from my little sister who went to Egypt, who actually got some Egyptian drip on her fingers as well. And so the definition for drip is very swag and cool, drip Drippy, dripping, can be used to describe an outfit or an accessory. So like this watch that I got on, I got a little bit of drip on today. And how it's used in a sentence, yo, that ice is drippy, dog. Y'all like the drip? And so as we go throughout this passage today, um, just to give a little bit of context for that word, it's going to be used interchangeably with the word ornament. Um, And it's basically an accessory. It's something that, that you wear that gives you a little bit of swag, a little bit of drip. Um, but what I also want to say today is that, that I think that it actually means a little bit more than that, and especially in the context of this passage, I believe that um, it speaks to something a lot deeper. And so before we get to the passage, I just want to give a little bit of my story and tell you guys a little bit of the drip that I kind of put on throughout my life. And so I'm going to take it all the way back to the homeschool days. And so I, I grew up in a family with five kids, and we were homeschooled. 
And I just want to shout out my mom and dad, because I don't know how they did that. I don't know how. They're right there. My mom homeschooled all five of us, and my dad brought home the bacon. So love you guys. Appreciate you guys. Um, sorry for you guys. Um, but if any of you have siblings, you know that the time that you spend with your siblings, a lot of time, if you spend a lot of that time, then you come out with some scars. And you come out with some wounds, because although we all love each other, siblings can be a little bit harsh sometimes, right? And so I was a very, very sensitive kid, and I'm still a very, very sensitive man. You can ask Sid later. Very sensitive man. And so there's something about words that just really, really stuck with me. And so growing up, spending a lot of time with our siblings, then I was the middle child, and, uh, and I, I had two older brothers, and I always wanted to fit in with them. I always wanted to, to be a part of what they were doing, and it was probably so annoying because they're like trying to play hockey and I can barely hold the stick, but I'm like, no, no, I want to be a part of this. And so just always asserting myself into the spaces, and, and I just remember there's a couple times where there, I don't think there was any militia in it, but there was just kind of this annoying little kid that was trying to be part of everything, and, and I, I talked a lot, and I shared my opinion a lot, and I just remember a couple times when I, when I would share, I'd try and like be part of them, then I would hear like a like a shut up, or, or not right now, Chase, like, like just be quiet. And although there was no intent to hurt, I was a very, very sensitive kid, and so that was the very first piece of drip that I put on was, I'm not enough, or, or I don't deserve to be here. And then moving forward, I'm, I'm 12 years old, and this is where I put on my second piece of drip was, there was a magazine, and I went to pick it up, and it wasn't the magazine that I thought it was going to be. And that's when an eight-year porn addiction started. And that was the second piece of drip that I put on. And then I'm, and then I'm 14 years old, and, and I had been going to this summer camp that I just loved, and it was such an amazing place, and I had given my life to Jesus at that place. And, uh, and I decided that I wanted to work there. And so I'm going to this summer camp, and, and I'm really connecting with this one leader and, uh, and at the end of this counselor and training camp, then, then this leader that I thought was one of my buddies was one of my friends that I, that I looked up to, then he took advantage of me. And that was the next piece of drip that I put on. That was like I'm broken. That something's happened and, and I can't change it. And then I go into high school. And I'm, I'm this hurting kid and, and this homeschooled kid, so I'm weird too. <laughs> and I go into high school and... And, I'm, and I make some friends, but, but those friends maybe weren't the best influence on me. And so the next piece of drip that I got was a vape. And that started to fill the pain with, with nicotine, fill the stress with nicotine. And then, and then I start drinking, and I start partying, and I'm putting on all these different kinds of drip where, I, where I'm the cool kid, and, and I'm the kid who's going to be passed out underneath the ping pong table. And, and I, it's just forming this identity. And then I, I come out of high school, and, and I'm in a, a relationship, and it's toxic, and, and that's the next piece of drip. And then, and then this, this thing starts to form in my stomach because the career that I went into, I began to feel this anxiety like it wasn't where I was supposed to be. And so the next piece of drip I put on was this constant anxiety every time I went to work. Every time that I, that I came home, it was just like, I don't know if I'm supposed to be here. And then... That anxiety, the next piece of drip, it turned into depression, and so it was harder to get out of bed in the morning. And my, my work started to drop, and, and I was kind of just wondering, like, like, where is this all leading? Like, is this really where I'm supposed to be? And so 
I was just, I was dripped out in my past and all the things that had hurt me, all the things that had formed me and shaped me. And I'm sure each and every person here is today and they're wearing something. And they're wearing their past, the things that, that have affected you, the things that have hurt you. Maybe it was a, a parent growing up or maybe it was a, a friend in school or or maybe it was a divorce, or maybe it was, it was something, but we're all wearing some form of drip. And so before we get to the passage today, I, I also want to give some context before we get there, because I think that, I think that this passion speaks to that question of, of what am I wearing, and, and, and what am I carrying in my identity, and how have I been formed. But before we get there, I want to actually explain a little bit of the drip of the Israelites. Can I do that? Yeah. Yep. Sounds good. So... The Israelites, at the start of Exodus, we, we see them, and they're this nation that's beginning to grow. And, uh, and they're stuck in Egypt. And because they're growing, then the Pharaoh kind of starts to get nervous because this nation's getting bigger, and he's like, I don't want them to take over. And so he puts them into slavery. And so these Israelites are in slavery for 400 years. And so if you think, like, 400 years of slavery, like, like that's some trauma. These, these people have been through some stuff. And so... They've gone through this oppression. They've been, they've been worked and worked and worked. And so the drip that they're carrying probably has a lot to do with that. And, and it's generational trauma as well because their fathers and their fathers and their fathers are slaves to the Egyptians. And so they have this pain and this resentment and this hurt that's building up inside of them. So they've been through that. And then, and then to add on to everything else, because they keep multiplying, because God has, has blessed them and they keep having babies, then Pharaoh is still getting more nervous and nervous, so he says to the midwives, he says, go and kill every newborn son. And so, so 400 years of slavery, on top of that, an infant genocide, and these people are hurting, and these people are in pain, and, and so they're carrying this identity of hurt, this, this traumatic identity. But then their story begins to change, because God hears their cry. And so God comes and he sends Moses and he, he uses Moses to bring these Israelites out of Egypt, to set them free. And it's this beautiful display. There's signs and there's wonders and this mighty God comes and saves this, this, this broken people. And he brings them out of Egypt and he, and he parts the seas and they walk through dry land and he, he brings the water down and destroys the Egyptian army. And it's this amazing display of God's power and his glory. And as they're coming out of Egypt, God even, because he's so good, he's like, I want to bless you with wealth, with wealth as well. And so he, it says that he turns the Egyptians' hearts favorably toward the Israelites. And as they're leaving, then the Egyptians give them this golden jewelry, these ornaments, some Egyptian drip. And so the Israelites come out, they're at, the, they're at this desert, and God has this land that's promised to them. And God's like, I want to take you to this promised land, and I want to bless you because I promised that to your forefathers. And so we're in this desert. This broken people have just been saved by God, and he's saying, like, I want to bless you. I want to take you to this promised land. And they're about to go, but, but there's one more thing, and God's like, not only do I want to take you to that promised land, but I actually want to bless you with my presence. I want to bless you with my presence. So God is like, I want to dwell with you guys. I want to be with you. I want to be in the midst of your camp. I want to be in relationship with you. I want to be freeing you. I want to be just protecting you and, and providing for you. And so God is so good because he's just offering himself to them. 
And so God is like, I, I want to do this, but I want to make a covenant with you. And so he's like, in order for my presence to dwell with you, I have these Ten Commandments that I want you to follow. And a covenant was kind of like, it was like becoming family. Like God is, God is now father, and Israel is now his children, because they've agreed to this covenant. And it's this beautiful ceremony, and it's, it's amazing, and they say yes to it, of course, because they just saw his presence bring them out of Egypt. They're like, why wouldn't we want that? So he gives them these Ten Commandments, and I just want to read the first two, just so we kind of have that in our minds. The first one is, you shall have no other gods before me. And the second is, you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. So these first two commands that he gives are pertaining to to worshiping other gods. He's like, you must worship me because I know what's best for you, and I want to love you and provide for you. And he's like, and don't make anything else in an image and worship it. And so the Israelites agree to this. They say yes to this. They're like, of course, we'll keep these commandments. And so then God, he calls Moses up onto a mountain and he's like, he's giving him instructions to build a tabernacle where God is going to dwell with them. He's going to fulfill this promise that he's made to them. So he's giving Moses these instructions. It's, it's a beautiful moment because it's like God's preparing this place for his presence to dwell with them. And it's been about like five or six days and down at camp, things start to get a little bit crazy. The Israelites... I think what's actually happening is they, they begin to say these things like, where is God? Where is Moses? Like they've been gone for however many days. Like, like where are they? And I think that this, this traumatic past is coming up. They're like, we've never really felt secure. We've never really felt like we're enough. Like how can we trust this God to actually care for us? Because like do we, do we really matter? Like are we, are we really enough? And so they, they begin to doubt. And, and what they do when they begin to doubt is they actually turn to their past. And it says that they go to Aaron, the second in charge, and they're like, Aaron, like, make, make us a god so that we can worship. Because we're, we're kind of stressed out. We're doubting right now. And Aaron, being the great leader he, leader he is, he says, yes, what a doofus. <laughs> and he makes for them this idol. He makes a golden calf. But, but the thing that I want us to see is what he actually makes that idol out of is the ornaments the drip that they got from Egypt. And so this really, really sad picture begins to form where the the Israelites start worshiping that golden calf. They're actually worshiping their past. They're worshiping the thing that they just got brought out of. God has just like, he's saved them, he's brought them out of it, and now they're worshiping that past. And and it's so sad to read that. And and so God and Moses, they, they come down and there's this like, this immediate punishment distributed, but then that's where we come to Exodus 33. And it's this moment where like, like say a kid has, has disobeyed and they've been sent to the room, then he's kind of waiting for what is gonna be the response of his parents. And so that's what Israel's doing and then God is giving Moses his response. He's giving Moses his response to tell the Israelites, okay, like this is what's gonna happen now. There's just been this like atrocious sin committed and the Israelites are probably scared. They're like, we deserve destruction. And God is telling Moses his response. So our first part of this passage, God's response. And so it's verses one to three. And it says, then the Lord said to Moses, leave this place, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt and go up to the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob saying, I will give it to your descendants. I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. 
Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you, because you are a stiff-necked people, and I might destroy you on the way. And so there's two things going on in God's response. And the first one, I just want to, it's a bit of an aside, but I want to go into it because I feel like there's a word for someone here today. The first one is, is showing God's faithfulness. So the Israelites have just made this covenant with him, and then they, like five or six days later, they're unfaithful to it. And so anyone would think, like, like God would come back and be like, what the heck were you doing? And, like, be so upset. But the first thing God says is he's like, I'm going to fulfill the promise I gave to your forefathers. And so I think what we can see in that is that even when we're unfaithful, God is faithful. And so I think maybe there's someone here today that thinks that they've fallen short of God's faithfulness, that maybe he's promised them something, and maybe they feel like their sin has, like, set them aside so they're not going to have that promise, but God is faithful when we are not. So that's the first part I want us to see. But the part I really want to hone in on is at the end of verse 3, it says, but I will not go with you. Stay in the sin that has hurt us, but also that we have chosen as well, it will lead to destruction. It will lead to death. That if we continue in this way of, of choosing something that God doesn't have for us, then it will lead to death. It will lead to death. And it's a hard word. It's a, it's a distressing word. Because this is God's response. And there's honesty in God's response. And God will never leave us in a place where we're questioning. And so this, this life of sin, the, the drip that I had on my whole life, that was leading to death. That was leading to destruction. But in, in four to six, I actually believe that we see God's call. So that's what comes next, God's call, because there's something missing. If, if God is desiring for everyone to come to repentance, then there has to be more. So we see God's call in verses four to six. It says, when the people heard these distressing words, they began to mourn, and no one put on any ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, tell the Israelites you are a stiff-necked people. If I were to go with you, even for a moment, I might destroy you. And here's something we don't see in the first part. But it says, now take off your ornaments, and I will decide what to do with you. Verse 6, it says, so the Israelites stripped off their ornaments at Mount Horeb. And so the first part I want us to see, it says, when the people heard these distressing words. So when they heard it, it was distressing to them. And when I, when I think about what my life would be like without Jesus, it's distressing to me. It's, it's distressing words when I think that like all of these things that I've been choosing my whole life, all of these, these ways that I was living that weren't what God had called me to, and it leads to death, that's distressing. That should be something that's distressing to us. And it says they began to mourn, and no one put on any ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, tell the Israelites, you're a stiff-necked people. If I were to go with you, even for a moment, I might destroy you. Now, and there's the call. There's a call from God that says, now take off your ornaments and I will decide what to do with you. And what's happening in that moment is God is calling them out of this past. He's like, you guys are wearing what you used to be, but I, but I called you and I've made you my people. And so I think that the beautiful thing about this passage is that there's, there's two calls in it. There's one because God is speaking to his people there's one to, to people who believe in Jesus, to Christians who call themselves believers. That if, if the drip that you're carrying, if, if that past that you're, you're still living in, 
If it's still there, then God is saying, now take it off. He's saying, take off your ornaments. Take off the things that are leading you away from me. Take off the things that are getting in the way of your walk with me. Take off your ornaments. Take off your drip. But I also believe there's a bigger message in this. And I believe that's the gospel. And I believe that this whole story from the start where God says, I want to dwell with you. I want my presence to be with you and I want you to be my people. I want to go to Mark chapter 1 verse 14. It says, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And I just want to say that if there's someone here today that has never heard the good news of Jesus Christ, there's someone that's here today that you don't even know how you ended up here. And you're like, what the heck is this guy talking about? Like wrath and destruction and all this stuff. Well, I just want to say to you today that there is a God that loves you more than you could ever know. And that there is a God that it's not like, it's not like that love that we've heard in our culture where it's like, oh, they're a good person and they're really sweet. There's a God that has sent his son for you to die on the cross and he sent his son to take the sin that deserved death, the sin that we committed, the sin that we caused and he sent his son to die in our place. And not only did he send his son to die but he raised his son from the grave and he's given us new life. And so this message, it does speak to the believer but it also speaks to the one who has not heard the news yet that God is for you and that he loves you and that he wants everyone to come to repentance and to, to believe who he is, to believe the good news that there is life in Jesus Christ. There's life for you. And one thing that's so cool about this story is that I believe we see God's plan at the end of it. Right after God's call, I believe we see God's plan. And, and in order to see that, we have to go to Exodus 35, verse 20. God has relented. He's still going with the Israelites. And they're building the tabernacle. They're building this place of worship where, where God is going to dwell with them. And it says in, in Exodus 35, verse 20, it says, Then the whole Israelite community withdrew from Moses' presence. And everyone who was willing and whose heart moved them came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work on the tent of meeting, for all its service, and for the sacred garments. All who were willing, men and women alike, came and brought gold jewelry of all kinds, riches, earrings, rings, and ornaments. They all presented their gold as a wave offering to the Lord. Remember that gold jewelry? Remember the Egyptian drip? Remember the stuff that the Israelites were wearing that was leading them back to their past? It says that they laid it down for the Lord, and he's now building his temple. He's building his tent of meeting. He's building the place where they're going to worship him. And so I just want to say that, that if there's any hesitation of like, I don't know if I want to let go of that. I don't want to let go of the pain of the past. I don't want to let go of the unforgiveness that's in my heart. I don't want to let go of the things that I'm dripped out in. Then I want to say to you that, that God wants to use that to build his kingdom. Yeah. That he, he's building his tent with these ornaments, this gold that was once used for, for evil things and God is now building that. And so if, if there's something in you that's like, I don't want to give this up, I don't want to set this down, I don't want to get rid of this, then I want to say to you that God can use that to build his kingdom. God can use the pain, he can use the hurt, he can use the choices that we made to build his kingdom. 
And I've seen it in my own life. All those things that I told you at the start, I've seen God now using those things because he's asked me to lay it down. He said, Chase, that's not you anymore. He said, Chase, you're a son. You're someone who I've called. You're someone who I've chosen. And so those will no longer be a reason for you to hate others. Those will no longer be a reason for you to hold unforgiveness in your heart, but you're actually gonna build my kingdom with those. And I think that's a promise to all of us. We see it in this story that, that God wants to use the things that are holding us back and the things that have hurt us and the decisions that we've made. So I just want to ask a, a question today to each and every one of you. What is, what is your drip? Maybe you're here today and, and you're dripped out in 12 to 14 hour work days. Maybe you're, you're here today and you're dripped out in saying yes to every person because you've never felt like you're good enough. Maybe you're dripped out in a relationship that's giving you the validation that you know you should be getting from Jesus. Maybe you're dripped out in a porn addiction or money problems or rage towards your kids. Maybe it's lust or pain or the most likely culprit of all, unforgiveness. What is your drip? Maybe it's that, that childhood wound that you, you never had time to heal because you had kids too soon and now, and now it's coming out all over your life and, and it's hurting people and it's hurting you, but you can't stop turning back to it. Maybe it's, maybe it's decades of addiction that you've hidden because someone, when you were younger, hurt you and, and you've just been trying to fill that void. Or maybe it's just this identity that was formed from, from a parent who, who didn't speak into you the way that you wanted or the way that you needed. And so now you're living with just this like, this, this lack of, of validation from people and this, you're living in a place where it just seems like it's gray and there's, there's nothing worth fighting for. Or maybe you're here today and you've never even heard of the gospel. And the drip that you're carrying is, is your old life. And you've heard the good news and you've, you've heard that there's something better and there's something greater and you're wanting to lay that down. Or maybe, and and I felt this while I was preparing this message and I, I didn't really want to say it, but I feel like God has put it on my heart. It's a message for, for my generation, for Gen Zs, but anyone else who feel like it speaks to you, you can take it as well, but I think that we can often be dripped out in our trauma. And, and I love that my generation is willing to bring stuff up and, and look at stuff and be willing to say, like, that shouldn't have happened. But I think that we can tend to make it our identity. And we can tend to make it something that we live in, almost like a victim mindset. And I, I love that kind of thing where we, where we work through our trauma. And we process it and we heal from it. But, but I don't love when it begins to come, become our identity. Because that's not who God called us to be. And, and so I think there's a word 
for my generation to begin to lay down, lay down the, the lies about our identity that, that we've been hurt and we deserve revenge, that, that we want to make others know that we've been hurt. I think it's time to lay that down. And so church, would you stand today? I think that, that this is something that, that all of us struggle with. This is something that all of us carry. We all have our own ornaments that we wear when we walk into church. We all have our own ornaments that we wear throughout the week. We all have these things that are, that are just trying to drag us back to the past. Drag us back to the places where we once were, the places of pain, of hurt, of addictions, of, of the places where we once used to turn. But I believe that Jesus is calling us out of that. I believe that he's calling us to take that off. I believe that he's calling us to set it aside and to use what he's given us. And that's an identity in Christ. That's an identity in the kingdom of God. And so if you would all just bow your heads today and close your eyes. I just want to give an invitation to anyone, anyone that has on some ornaments that they feel like God is calling them to take off. Anyone that, that has come here today and, and they're still living in that past and the past is still bringing them back to, to that hurt, and I just, I just want to take a moment and just ask the Holy Spirit to, to just reveal what that might be. Lord, would you, would you come and would you speak to our hearts? And would you reveal, Holy Spirit, what it is that's taking us back to those places? It's taking us back to, to where we once lived what you're calling us to take off, what you're calling us to lay down. So I just want to give an invitation if there's anyone here today that feels like there's something that God's calling them to take off, or if, if you've never heard the gospel before, I also just invite you, if God's calling you to take off that old life, if you just raise your hand right now, if there's anyone that feels like they're being called to take something off, Jesus, I just pray for each and every person that has the courage to respond to your call. For each and every person that has the courage to admit that, that there's something that needs to go, there's something that needs to be laid down, there's something that needs to be taken off. And I just pray, Jesus, that, that each and every person who's wrestling with that, Lord, that you would give them strength. You would give them hope. You would be a light in their life, Lord. And I pray for anyone who is inviting you into their heart for the first time today, Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, for that decision. I thank you, Jesus, that you are so good, that you are so worthy of our lives, that as we lay down our lives for you, that we begin to actually truly live, Lord. So I thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. 
And I pray this all in your mighty and your holy name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you're encouraged, maybe a little bit convicted. And if you want to know more information about our church, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. See you next week.